glad to be here again, giving y'all yet another week of the ADOS podcast. I have with me today John Thompson, candidate for a Minnesota House seat over in District 67A. Without further ado, uh, Mr. Thompson, would you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Just to give you a short uh, uh, version of who I am, um, you know, I was a machinist for St. Paul Public Schools for about 11 years. I worked for the district. Uh, I serviced all 82 schools throughout, throughout the district. I repaired a lot of the uh, nutrition service equipment also in their rooftop units, the AC units, you know, compressors and, you know, these huge walk-in freezers uh, for the district. Um, I worked there for about 11 years, right up until the untimely murder of, of my good friend, Philando Castile, who was murdered uh, um, July 5th in 2016. Uh, ironically, though, I, I, I spoke to Philando on July 5th of 2016. Uh, we spoke about the murder of Alton Sterling. I don't know if you knew that. We spoke about, because Alton Sterling was murdered on July 5th of, of 2016. And we were so numb about the killing of uh, Alton Sterling. I can remember, like, yesterday, we were like, I mean, nothing's going to happen to that police officer. Right. You know, and I walked right in the store. I got a six-pack of Heineken, man. You know, not and not even thinking that the very next day, man, which was July 6, 2016, that my friend would lose his life, like pretty much the same way we just discussed. You know, but, you know, back in 2016, I was really, really upset about um, the negative press that Philando was getting and how people were talking about him, he had marijuana in the car. And, you know, we forget this, that, that there was a baby girl in the backseat of the car and the yeah. bullet nearly missed her. Uh, and Philando probably still be smoking his weed, though. You know, if y'all did not racially profiled him and killed him, but um, you know, I, I was a, I, I went from machinist to activist immediately because I wanted mm. people to know my friend loved to play chess and he played the Xbox and you know, yeah, he made a smoke marijuana. But so there's a lot of other people. This was a real person. This is a man, right? You know, so <laughs> it's a human. I, I, I watched Philando take dollar forty cents out of his pocket and put in the cash register for kids who couldn't even afford to pay their lunch. You know, they were taking lunches from people back then yeah, and giving them cheese sandwiches. And and Philando could have lost his job for paying for student lunch. I watched Philando like weave through children, man, and and and, and know they put that milk down, man. You're lactose intolerant, and you can't have that. It's got peanuts in it, you know. There's a list behind him with the kids' food allergies, but he knew these kids. Like, I watched that. And so I just... I, and he I wanted, had to look at no list. He no. knew them. I, so I, I wanted people to understand, like, this is who was murdered, not some thug that robbed the dog on gas station. You know, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, Philander was pulled over because he fit the description uh, of someone who robbed a gas station. Like, we just rob a gas station and drive right past it the very next day because that's what black people do. You know, we just right, mm -hmm. right, right past the same gas station we robbed. But he was ultimately racially profiled, profiled and murdered. And so I just wanted people to understand, like, this was a real human being, man, like, who really loved the kids. I remember him saying that. Like, man, I love the kids. And, and, you know, I, it, it was a part of the last conversation we had, man. I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever. And I walk in the store, like, not knowing that this was the last thing I was going to hear that man say was, man, I love the kids. Now, when he said that, when he said that, I'm thinking the trick daddy. <laughs> when he said that, yeah. I mean, I'm not yeah. thinking that right. th these are these. Those were the last words that I heard him say. He said, "Man, I love everybody." I'm like, "Whatever, man." I walk in the store, and the next day, my friend's murder, man. And so I promised legislators back in 2016 that we were going to put people in place to replace some of the people who were responsible some, for some of this bad legislation that creates. Uh, and, and back then, the big thing was the uh, use of force. 
mm-hmm. a statute. Yeah. I just wanted people to look at the use of force statute, man, and, and, and change the wording, which allow officers to say, I was in fear for my life. Yep. And that statute actually uh, uh, it, it exonerates police officers because you, I can do that to an officer and they can kill me. Yeah. Because the language in this doggone statute says th- that this is exactly one of the situations they could be in where they could defend themselves, yeah. right? And so, but nobody was listening to me. Then I started thinking about well, who put these le- who put this this into legislation? Mm-hmm. Who wrote the language? Who wrote the language? Right. Let me figure that out. And I figured that it was at the state capitol. Let me be clear, like, like I, I, I talked to the incumbent, uh, Tim Mahoney, and I want to, like, I want to get to some of your questions, man. So, so, no, no, so, so, we, we good. This but is I, a part I, of your introduction. I, I, I talked to the incumbent, <laughs> and I told him I was running, and he said uh, I'd probably be better off as a city councilman or a commissioner. And I said, but the disparities that I see, some of the things that I want to change, happen at a state level, mm-hmm. right? Yo, and, and I just don't want to write legislation for St. Paul. I just want to write legis- legislation for Ramsey County. I want to have impacts over the entire state. He he retired, and I'm thinking like you. I always think Philando's watching me, man. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like, man, Philando's like moving something, and then like like every step of the way since I've been running mm-hmm. in this race, man, like the things that I thought that I couldn't do, I overcome, mm-hmm. and it's like. I got a calling over my life, man. And my friends watch me. I lost my mother too. Like a few weeks after I lost Philando, I lost my mother. But I promised both of them that I was going to do work to make them both happy. And I promised legislators also in 2016 that we were going to put people in place to replace them. I'm just making good on my promise. Uh, I don't know if you think about back when Philando was murdered in 2016, man, we were... We were talking about how we fix police community relations, right? Mm-hmm. And the buzzwords I think were back then were um, de-escalation training is needed, and, and implicit bias training is needed, mm-hmm. and training, training, train more training. Mm-hmm. You can't train a racist how to be unraced. You you, you can't just you, you, they you, must be replaced. You, you're right, but nevertheless, we had a brand new training facility built like four blocks from my house, right off of the back of Philando's, of the blood of Philando's body, man. Because if Philando wasn't murdered, we wouldn't even be talking about this type of training. Okay? Now, think about this, and then I'll, I'll move. Mm-hmm. We had an opportunity to save George Floyd's life in 2016. We, if we were serious about, about police reform, if we were serious about changing the way that policing is done here in, in, in this state, we could have did that in 2016. But instead, we talked about implicit bias training and de-escalation training and training people how to be nice. Either you have it or you don't. Well, here's something that I want to share with you. Um, yo, in George Floyd's situation, man, we could talk a little bit more about George mm-hmm. Floyd. Uh, in George Floyd's situation, the officer that had his knee on his neck was the training sergeant. So let's 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 just be clear about the training because mm-hmm. what I saw was the, the training sergeant training the other officers how they treat black people. How do you how you treat black? Yo, twenty dollars got this whole state set on fire, man, and people still don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, and that's a true statement. $20, $20 bill got this whole st- state set on fire. And we still right here, the people like, like blind. Like we don't have a, we have a police problem. We have a police problem and it's, it's embedded in, in the, in, it's in every police station throughout this state. We have a police problem. Uh, and, and I'll say this, uh, you know, in Duluth, Minnesota years ago, there were three black men hung, right? Uh, I say that to say that there was an audience. <laughs> there was an audience watching and cheering, and like, yes, yo, like in Duluth, two hours away from here. 
It was a black man hung. Where do you think their grandkids went? Where do you think their uncles and their, 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 their kids? That ideology never left here. It just got more advanced, man. And a lot of them uh, became legislators and police officers, school teachers. You know, they used to beat us for learning. Now they just call it achievement gap. Mm -hmm. School teachers, doctors, uh, uh, public pretenders. Some of them are even county prosecutors. I'm talking about the people with the, some of the people that, that were in this crowd. Yo, they had grandkids, and their grandkids had kids, and you know what I mean. And and and, and this this the racism never left the state of Minnesota, man. It's here, and it's embedded in. I hate to say it, some of these police stations, legislation, in these hospitals, in the courtroom. If you if you if you think I'm spewing rhetoric, rhetoric, why is that black man having so hard? It sucks to be a black man here in this state. You know what I mean. So I mean, let's let's get to some of your questions, bro, because yeah. I can keep talking. No, man. no, no. This is good. This this actually you're you're answering the questions before I even ask them, right? You're you're giving me answers to questions I'm going to ask you. So this is good. Um, I just want to touch back on a few things you just said, right? Because that that was a lot, and and I'm definitely appreciative of it. Uh, here's here's the thing. Minnesota does not want to admit that ugly racist history that we have. Um. Don't quote me on this, but I believe the state of Minnesota was formed in, what, 1857 or something like that, around that time, right? Uh, since the formation of this state, there were slaves that were, that were here, right, helping to build this land in Minnesota. Everywhere had slavery. Um, so they're part of that history, just as much as any other state in this country is. Mm -hmm. And what's happening in the state of Minnesota is not isolated, right? The rest of the country is experiencing this mm -hmm. when it comes to the treatment of ADOS, of American descendants of slave, black folks in this country. Mm -hmm. So this is not just the state of Minnesota. This is all over the United States, and it's a part of our culture. Unfortunately, it's a part of American culture mm -hmm. because we're descendants of slaves. Mm -hmm. And um, a few weeks ago, I think this was like last week, I actually read out loud on, on live the Willie Lynch letter, right? So mm -hmm. that was 1712 on the banks of the James River. Willie Lynch, a slave owner from the Caribbean, he brought slaves up here to pretty much give a demonstration or to deliver a message on how to control them. And he delivered this message in front of other um, American colonists who owned slaves. And one of the pieces in that, in that letter was to control the black minds for 300 years or 1,000 years. Here's is what you have to do, right? And he, and he mm -hmm. literally lays out the formula to control our minds. So even after slavery was over with, us as black people will still be enslaved. So, and I, and I just had to preclude, prelude all of that to ask the question of, what do you think is the biggest problem facing the black community? So I, I hear you talk about the police brutality. I hear you, you know, you got legislative ideas on how we should handle that and how we should address that. Mm -hmm. But what do you think the biggest problem for black folks in, in this state of Minnesota, specifically in the Twin Cities and St. Paul on the east side, mm -hmm. are facing? What can you do about it as a, as a state legislator? You know, even not, not even on the east side only, man. The whole state of Minnesota got that pull yourself up black man by your bootstraps. But they won't give us no boost. <laughs> they won't give us no pull yourself up by your bootstrap. But they won't give us no boost, man. You know, you give a, a, a brother an opportunity to make sixty thousand dollars a year, man. And I can honestly tell you that a lot of crime is stopping our community. Absolutely. You know, you put some jobs out here in this doggone community, man, and give a brother an opportunity to instead of you know, we rather we rather incarcerate than educate. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like, give us a chance to 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 show you that we're able to be fathers. You know, you, you, oppression is embarrassing, man. Especially the black men, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to, to tell your son, "I can't buy him a pair of gym shoes that he wants for his birthday because I ain't got no money." 
That's embarrassing, man. And that's a reality. That's a reality. So what I'm saying is, while we're creating all these opportunities for everybody else, create mm -hmm. some opportunities for African-American men, and you'll see a change. The paradigm shift that you want to see, you'll see a change. And you know, a lot of these shootings we have in our community, man, like, think about this. I'm working eight hours a day, man. I'm too tired after I get off work, man. I hang out with you on the weekend. Yeah, you know, and, and pretty much I'm going to stock my freezer with, with, my, with my beers and, 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 and my, my bar and stuff at my house. I'm chilling. I'm chilling at the house, man. I'm not outside. You know, give us an opportunity and stop complaining about the conditions that you created. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying this to legislators. You help create yeah. a lot of the conditions that exist in our community. You can help fix them. I just got tired of yelling about it, bro. Like, I got tired of yelling about it. I got tired of saying something about it. It's time to cut us in or cut it out. Like, and that's what it is, bro, because we don't have, but a lot of us don't have boots. Think about this. We just had an uprising here in this state. You know, people call it a riot. I call it an uprising because a lot of people didn't get a $1,200 stimulus package. Although we weren't burning them stores up, man, we were going in them stores and taking stuff. And I'll tell you this, I saw a lot of stuff that they said we did not have enough of, like hand sanitizer, toilet tissue, napkins. You know, a lot of the supplies, it was stocked up in the back of these stores and people were running out of the stores with them. But before George Floyd, you guys said we, we had to buy this in two, you only get two packages. You know, let me just be clear. Uh, before pan the pandemic, right, uh, Philando Castile's mother was paying off student lunch debt, $12,000, $22,000. I mean, traveling the state, paying off student lunch debt because they were still taking kids' food from them, lunch shaming them in all these school districts, right? Mm -hmm. Now we're in COVID-19. Not only are y'all feeding the kids for free, which you said we couldn't do, but you're delivering the food to their houses, using the school buses to do it. So as a legislator, you can't tell me you don't have the money to do things that make sense for my community. Find the money. Because mm -hmm. right now, we like we were in a pandemic before COVID-19, mm. right? <laughs> Say that again one more time. We were bro. in a pandemic before COVID-19. And I mean that, bro, because I've been black all my life. Like yeah. I, I've never did anything else. But I've never been anything else but black. I know the conditions that 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 exist. This is not even only just for for the black community. This is not just for like if you think about the the Asian population here, the Somali population. There's a lot of poor Asians here. There's a lot of poor Hmong people here. But we seem to suffer the most, man. And it seems like the attack always comes. Like uh, I want to be clear when I say this, man. Uh, George Floyd was a black man, right? Uh, Philando Castile was a black man, right? Uh, we're being killed by the police. There's, there's, there's no joke, right? But we're also being killed by the judicial system. We've been killed by the education system. We've been killed by the, 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 uh, the, 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 what I said, the judicial system, the education system, the workforce. You know, the government is like one of the most powerful tools against white supremacy is an educated black man. So why would I educate you, black man? Right, like you educate, you know what I mean. So, so uh, especially educate you on your history and how powerful your people truly are, and what you are capable of. The inventors that you know were African American, black, and invented some of the same products that we see in today, and they stole those ideas, modified it, and then capitalized and made money off of it. They try to separate <laughs> us, man. They, they try to separate us. This is a, this is the, one of the one of the one of the. Uh, my mom used to always say one of the devil's greatest tricks, and he, he's brought here to, to kill, steal, and divide. Yo, one of the, one of his greatest tricks is to 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 get people to to think that 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 we're not fighting the same fight. Mm -hmm. Do you understand me? Like, no matter what you look, when you look at a Somali brother, man, like his skin is his sin, just like yours. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and when you look at an Asian or a Hmong brother, his skin is his sin, just like yours. Like honestly, and they treat it the same. 
But they try to trick us into saying that we're fighting a different fight. We're fighting the same fight, except for they would give it to everybody else before they give it to a black man. You know what I mean? Like they would give it to. I can remember us fighting for for for. I can remember them fighting for uh, LGBTQ rights and, mm. and LGBTQ bathrooms and and and, and, mm-hmm. and they got them now. Yeah. Here I am, a black man, still asking y'all to stop kill us, stop killing us, help us uh, uh, educate somebody. Give us some some tools to so we could be productive citizens here. Think about this, and then I'll move. They talk about this. Uh, we we talk about this a lot too. This this uh, green energy push, right? Mm-hmm. This, this, this new green deal. That I know you heard of that. You had to hear that. Mm-hmm. Hear this, right? Okay. So then people ask me, well, what do you think about it? Well, if it? If it don't make sense for the community, then it don't make sense for me, right? Right. What do you think? How would it, how would it benefit the black community? Okay, well, put some training facilities in my community. Because yep. you're talking about putting solar panels on buildings and new churches and these liquor stores and, and retrofitting these buildings with, with, with renewable energy sources, right? Wouldn't it be great to give a brother an opportunity to learn how to do some of this? Somebody gonna the insulation need to, process, you know, you know, you, you know those, how to be the, 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 the technician on some of those things for those mm-hmm. solar panels. Mm-hmm. I mean... You know those... those, uh, those uh, those uh, soap dispensers, you put your hand yep. under and the soap mm-hmm. come out. You train some of these brothers. Somebody gonna have to learn how to repair some of this stuff. Yeah. Put a training facility in my community, and then offer a brother an opportunity to graduate from this training facility onto a job paying. These are good jobs, mm-hmm. sixty, seventy thousand dollars. Now, not only am I am I working and I'm productive in my community, but when you go to putting and retrofitting these buildings, now I can tell my son I'm responsible for that solar panel being up there. I'm responsible for this renewable energy that we're using right now. I have ownership. You understand? What I'm mm-hmm. So when they ask me about how did it help my community, like, don't bring it to my community and then give it to a person of color. Because a person of color could benefit from 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 white privilege. Mm-hmm. I mean that. Give it to a black man. Give him an opportunity. Give it to one of these Hmong brothers and sisters who need an opportunity to take it. Like we come on, bro. Oppression is embarrassing. And so so when people ask me about how how, how do I what's my stance on certain things, if it don't make sense for my community, then then it's probably gonna be a no for me. You know, I'm running this campaign for my people. And I mean that, bro. Like, I, and when people say that, I said, well, well, I talked to a woman, and the woman makes $752 every two weeks. Her rent's $1,400, $1,470 every, every month. And just do the math. I make $750 every two weeks. My rent is $1,400 something. And we're talking about, well, let's talk about affordable housing. Well, the housing just ain't affordable. And then they said, well, and I say I'm running for my people, right? Mm-hmm. This just so happened to be a 42-year-old Hmong St. Paul Public School teacher assistant. You see, your oppression is embarrassing. When I say that, I'm saying it because when my community do better than, than a lot of the crime, a lot of the the, uh, the, uh, the the unfortunate situations that happen in my community go away. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of stuff go away if you give us an opportunity to to to. Like, we can't call it a community until you help us make it a community. How about that? Mm-hmm. I completely agree. You know, they say we're only as strong as our weakest link. And and so, for so long in this country, American descendants of slaves, black folks, our people, have been the weakest link. And there's no invested interest. There's no intentionality um, to resolve a lot of the disparities and issues that are in our community. And you have to start to just to think, hmm, this must be on purpose. It has to be. And I hate to be pessimistic like that, right? And then you go off and people call you a conspiracy theorist or whatever. No one's t- intentionally making these plans to destroy mm. black people. Mm. But if you look at the policies, right, mm. you mm. know that that's the case. Mm-hmm. I was on the podcast a couple weeks ago when we were talking, and I, I brought up the fact that if, if you're a felon, right, a nonviolent mm. 
felony or whatever, you're placed on probation in the mm-hmm. state of Minnesota. If you're if you're in any pictures and any contact the police pull us over and you got a, a legal license to carry your firearm and i'm your buddy or i'm your little brother or whatever and they pull me over they run our licenses they see that i'm on probation and you have a firearm mm. that's a probation violation for me i can go right back to jail because that's a policy mm-hmm. these are policies right mm-hmm. so if i'm on probation for a non-violent crime say i got caught selling 60 dollars worth of marijuana right that's a mm-hmm. felony still mm-hmm. in the state of minnesota any amount of sale right uh, of mm-hmm. any type of controlled substance is a fifth degree felony mm-hmm. and i was hanging with my cousin or my, my father whoever has a licensed firearm on them because I'm not supposed to be around any firearms is in the contract that you sign or you're on probation. That's a policy. I can get back. I'm, 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 I can go back to jail mm-hmm. or it depends on how the judge is feeling or my probation officer is feeling if they want to actually pursue it or not. Mm-hmm. So when we start to talk about legislation policies that can be changed, how can you use your influence as a potential legislator to address some of those issues that have such a huge impact on our community? I mean, as you can mm-hmm. imagine, a person that's on a nonviolent um, probation or whatever from, from whatever bogus felony that they caught, if they get caught again violating that probation, now they, they they're subject to to prison time, mm-hmm. which means whatever job they had out the door. Mm-hmm. You know, my job, my job also, before I was a legislator, like my job as a black man is to plant seeds and come back and water them. Um, I am the vice chair of the Ramsey County Criminal Justice Coordinate Committee uh, right now, and a lot of things we're working on is to kind of change what the county can do in these courts. Because you know, Ramsey County controls mm-hmm. the courts, you know, what the county can do. One of the things that uh, uh, I like about uh, uh, our, our county prosecutor, John Choi, is, is like he says stuff that makes sense. Like John, I'm not going to prosecute uh, uh, these 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 fifth degree drug possession charges. When I look at the the uh, police report and it's questionable, he says if the traffic stop was because of uh, this guy didn't turn his blinker on, he had a busted tail light, and all of a sudden they find all of these drugs and this creative pen writing they do in these police reports is obvious. I'm not going to charge those cases. I'm going to charge for the traffic light. You know. That's my job, to plant those seeds and mm-hmm. come back and water them. Uh, uh, you know, f- and I want to allude before I forget, I want to go back to something you said when people are, people, if, if anybody in this state is, is, is saying that, that you're, you're uh, spewing rhetoric, like it was nothing sweet about what happened to Brother George Floyd. It was nothing sweet about what happened to Philando. So as a legislator, I can't go into the, the Minnesota House of Representatives and, and sugarcoat racism. Yo. That's right. Uh, Mama Val, Mama Val, I call her Mama Val Maluta. Mama Val, but I'm talking about Valerie Castile. Yo, when, when, when Justine DeMond was murdered and then, then the settlement came back, right? Mm. And I, we get all this, this foreign press calling and, and Mama Val don't want to answer the phone. And, and, and when I talk to her and I ask her, you know, what, what do you want me to say? Because I want to I wanna speak. You know, to the press, but I don't want to. I don't want to say anything that's gonna gonna uh, be negative or come back to the Fernando Castile Foundation. She says, "Well, tell him, you know, I, you know, I eat those. Uh, she eat those apple uh, tussie pops." She said, "To tell him, it tastes like the apple tussie pop. You know, it's so sweet because they want to know how we feel about this settlement." Tell it's sweet, it's sweet, but then when you get to the chocolate, it's not chocolate. It's shit in the middle. <laughs> that's what mm. she said to me. Tell him that. Ma, you want me to say, she, y'all want you to say she, just that, just that, because it's sweet. Although it's sweet that she did get us, uh, you know, a settlement. It, 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 it tastes like shit because the only officer ever charged in, in a murder here at the point at the time was an African American convicted without without uh, any video evidence. 
you know, this is this is this is like uh, like a historic time, I guess. You know, we're supposed to celebrate, but in all actuality, it's not a time to celebrate. Uh, we just want our, our loved ones back. But as a legislator, I have to go in being exactly who you see today, right? Um, my voice is like um, a construction tool. Sometimes you have to go in with the jackhammer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just go in with sandpaper, you know, and you know, smooth stuff out. But I think that it's, it's gonna it's gonna have to be. Uh, I hit the ground and shake the concrete at the state capitol, man. I can't go in and and shoot. If you think about it, we got you know uh, uh, Republican legislators that walked out on us on Juneteenth when we were talking about police accountability and, and putting stuff on the books. They walked out on Juneteenth and said that's the end of the legislative session. Uh, we don't want to hear it, you know. Uh, so I, I I have to I have to like keep in mind that. Um, as a black man, we have some culturally specific issues that that need to be addressed. That needed to be addressed maybe 80 years ago. Yo, um, some of these legislators that are in legislation right now, bro, you got to think about it. Been here 25 years. Mm -hmm. Yo, some of their ideology ain't shifted. It, it hasn't shifted to to the 20th century right now. They're still in the Rolodex phone area. We got smartphones now. You know, what I'm so I just want to be like 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 not be. Uh, um, soft-spoken on issues that make sense for my community, and hopefully I'm effective. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost sure I'm going to be effective because I'm pretty good at disarming people, man, and giving them the truth. And so I'm, I'm going to be effective. But we have to pass policy that makes sense. What I mean by that is we have to put some accountability pieces in the legislation, for example, when it comes to policing mm -hmm. in, our, in, our, in our community. There's no way on this earth that you can have a police officer with 19 different write-ups and he's still a uh, police in our streets. At least, at least out of that 19, at least seven people were right. And so you need to come on in and do some desk work. Mm. You know what I mean? Like we gotta put those type of accounts, we gotta put up pieces into legislation that take some of the power away from the police federation so that these uh, these uh, police chiefs can get rid of these. You, you know, we, we, we hear this, we got these bad apples, we got a few bad apples, we can't have one bad apple yeah. when it comes to, so, but policing is not, you know, it's always like I, I get here. This is like a sweet spot because this is something I really want to change. But then we got to work. We have to work on the education system, man. Like, like, come on, man. We can't keep talking about the achievement gap when we know the achievement gap is man-made. We can't keep talking about fixing something that we we know how to fix the achievement gap, mm -hmm. right? Here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a uh, 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 the smartest person in the world, but we just remove. Uh, police officers out of schools, out of the schools, yep, the right? The SROs, yeah. The SROs out of the schools, right? Okay, so... At least don't, in don't, St. Paul and Minneapolis. Yep, don't, don't, yeah. don't... Now you got a, a pot of money, right? You mm -hmm. got a chunk of change. Yeah. Don't start splitting it up. Take that money and hire some fathers to come in these schools and hire some parents to come... We, 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 want, we always talk about parent-teacher involvement. We always talk about getting the parents in the school. Take that same budget. Pay them that kind of money you were paying the police to be in them schools yep. and sit on their phones. I like you that know, idea. Here's, here's another thing. I, I, I'm honestly telling you that African-American, young African-American boys and girls, they relate better to people who look like them. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I don't want to come to school and, and I got a white man telling me, that you go, go to your class, man, who are you talking to? And now, is that a formal recommendation that you have for the St. Paul School that's Board and for the and for the Minneapolis School Board? And for the Minneapolis board? School Board, take that. Don't don't try to give them fourteen dollars an hour. Take that same money you were putting into the police, and put into parents. Yep. Bring some of these fathers into these schools because you you know, a lot of fathers not even in their kids' lives. Now I'm working at the school. I'm making money and I'm helping. Like, are you serious about 
the, the fixing the achievement gap? Are you serious about parent-teacher involvement? Like these are ideas that I, I'm like. This is this is this is makes these are make sense ideas for my community. You know who was the SRO when I was in grade school? Somebody's grandmother. Somebody's grandmother who we knew was beat our butt. You know what I mean? Yep, and get, we, get we, after we, you, we, you know? we weren't going to disrespect her because right. whoever grandmother that was, they'd have beat your butt for disrespecting their grandmother. Right. But we have to get back to to incorporating family and, and the people who. Doesn't it just make sense to incorporate the people who are affected by what you're trying to change? Like I can't go over you, you me or you can't go over in West St. Paul and tell them that we're going to fix. You know the problem in in that Hispanic community. They look at us right. like we're crazy without right. without incorporating right. people from that community and their ideas. Absolutely. So we always got a room full of white people making idea making decisions for our, our you know our community. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we don't say nothing, so they think we're comfortable with that, man. So like, make do stuff. Just, just tell me. Like, I'm, I've never been more passionate about any work that I did in my life, man. So just stop me, but when I when I when I'm not telling the truth, but. You know, they say, well, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. We've been on the menu for years, and the lions and the, the, lions and the tigers been eating, man. I'm talking about for years. Of us. Imagine, how many, how many white people do you think benefit off of George Floyd? I, I'm rich right now off of George Floyd being murdered. You just think about this. Think, think about this. It's something to think about. You know those Black Lives Matter signs you see? Mm-hmm. It's sitting in the air. These are nice signs too. These Black Lives Matter signs and everybody's yard. Walk up to that sign and look at the union bug on that side, and tell me who made that sign. I bet you it's a white man right now. Mm-hmm. A white company made that Black Lives Matter sign, mm-hmm. and they capitalizing right now off of George Floyd. I, I'm, I'm, I've been black all my life, bro, so I can tell you what I'm seeing right now. This is what's happening. People, you know, everybody capitalizes off of off of us, but us. You know, it's time to stop. Uh, Early on, people told me to tone it down. You know, tone it down, Mr. Thomas, because because my my campaign slogan was "cut us in or cut it out." You know, like mm-hmm. and so and I was wait But that was my slogan, like like cut us. But it's people over politics. I changed. It. I tone it down. It's people over politics. You know, because we get so caught up in the political rhetoric that we forget about the people. Right. The people who are going to be impacted by the changes that we're trying to make. There was a there was a legislator by the name of uh, Nick Zerwals. He's a Republican legislator, right? And 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 right after Philando's murder, the the uh, the, the 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 legislator, Mr. Zerwals, he's he's a, he's a good person, by the way. I respect Mr. Zerwals. He retired, uh, but I can share this. He had a bill that he proposed. We call it the anti-protest bill, meaning that if you protest, if there was a cleanup after, if they had to pay for extra policing, if there was anything, by the guy that the the organizers of these protests would be charged with a crime, and we'd be fined. Yo, I yelled at his, his, it went viral. I yelled at Mr. Zerwoff and I shut the hearing down and we're going to put people and I'm yelling. I got these crutches and I'm, I'm like, yo. And then I come back two years later. Now I, I told Mr. Zerwoff, you know, this ideology is from Elk River, man. Like you ain't never seen a protest in Elk River, but I'll put you on my schedule, right? But at the end of the day, what you're doing right now is trying to infringe on our right to peacefully assemble and, and tell people our, that we're our first fi- amendment, our right? First by the U.S. Constitution. And, 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 and Nick, you know, you're starting to look like a Klansman to me. Is pretty much how I, I talked to Nick Zerwals. But fast forward to you for last, and, and I had a bill. It was a bill that I wanted to propose, you know, to to take kids out of this doggone community and and, and take them to see things that they've never seen before. Like I played the tuba. There were people that know that I played the tuba. 
goes, my mother took me to, you made me go with a friend to the symphony orchestra, something that, I, that was not on my radar, but I had no choice. Either you're not going to be hanging out. You, you found know. a passion for something. Well, before you know it, it's the same tuba brings me here to play in the band in mm -hmm. college, you know what I mean? But, but what I'm saying is somebody took me out of the community, so by the time I got off from you know, band practice, basketball, whatever, by the time I got done with that, it was pretty much time to wash up, go to bed. You know, do a little homework, go to bed. But somebody invested in me, so I wanted, it just made sense to propose a bill like this to try to get kids out of this place and to see something different and, you know, uh, you know put different ideas in their, in their head as opposed to, you know, we don't need another rapper, right? And Nick Zerwals was one of, the, one of the people who I had to walk in his office because I need Republican support. And he said to me, man, yo, I remember you calling me names, and I remember you shutting down my hearing, and I remember how passionate you were. Now you're here in my office asking me for an appropriation? Like, and I'm thinking, oh, he's not going to do anything for me. But he said, John, me and my wife went home, and we talked about how I push legislation here in this state and how it, I don't necessarily see how it affects you. Because I go back to Elk River after the session's over with. He said, we never had that conversation if you hadn't shown up how you shown up. And so he thanked me, and he authored my bill. Okay, so now I'm on to something now, right? Like, I'm on to something now. So when people tell me to tone it down, I'm like, okay, well, we've toned it down for too long. Are they hearing you? Because you go to these legislative hearings and, and they give you two minutes to speak. Who are you listening to in two minutes? You know what I mean? Like, oh, I've been to plenty of those. Yeah, so. Thank you for your time, sir. And then, and then you're gone. You know, state your name for the record. You say what you got to say. Mm -hmm. You sign a little book and then you're on your way. <laughs> Never hear from them again. No follow-ups. That's just that, right? Um, so we, we know how that process goes. I don't want to be that. No. You know, we, we've taken part of a lot of protests. Um, some, in some instances, I help organize a lot of protests here in this state. And those exact same legislators who you're talking about um, who are not willing to listen and to, to be the change, um, the new protest is to get them up out of office. Yeah. That's the new that's the new march down yeah. Broadway. That's the new right march on. down the expressway mm -hmm. is to get them up out of office and put people in place that understand exactly what needs to happen here, man, in this state. You know, there's, there's some brothers. Uh, shout out to the brothers from the Black Civic Network, by the way, man. Brother Thomas Berry and uh, Brother Nick Muhammad. There's some brothers who are, like, really pushing for a reparations package here, man. It's overdue. The conversation is overdue. But then there's legislators who don't even want to have that conversation, Right. There's legislators that were, like, we forced them to have a conversation about police accountability. George Floyd forced them. Mm -hmm. The state burned up. Before, before that, what they were asking, uh, and I'm talking about the Republicans in uh, the Senate, was uh, who set the fires? Whose job was it to do this? Who, 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 what? Like, these, these were the questions they were asking, not why. You know what I mean? Like, why the fire started? And what? should have been, what can we do to prevent another fire? Let me just be clear when I tell you this, brother, and I'm not psychic, I just know the truth. Mm -hmm. There's going to be another George Floyd murder in this state. In this state, this year. There's going to be another police-involved killing. I'm not psychic, I just know it. Um, Look at the statistics. <laughs> think about this. Um, the, the post board, the police officers standard train, the post board, yep. made up of ex-police officers. Uh, Public Safety and Finance Committee at the State Capitol, ex-police officers. 
X product. Like, come on, man, they stack the deck. It's it's almost like they suck the air out of the room when you go in there. You go to a, a hearing and there's a public testimony about police accountability, and you see the police officers all around the room with their guns from all over the state. It sucks the air out of the room, and it's almost like like doing these codes to the legislators to vote this bill down. No, like, what is it going to take? And listen, just so that I'm like not. The only one, like, I, I I, have a nation of people behind me, man, when I mm-hmm. say this. If the whole entire world says we have a problem, we got a problem. When the whole world says that we've been had a racism problem here, the whole world's not wrong. The whole world says we have a policing problem throughout the United States. The whole world's not wrong. And, you know, we put people into positions to where they just, like, can cover their ears and not, okay, so now it's time to start moving some of these people out of them comfortable, lazy boy seats that we pay for. We're taxpayers, bro. We pay for those seats. We pay for that nice desk you have. We pay for that nice office, and we can pay to get your butt up out of there. You know, um, our voices are, 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 you know, I had a a bunch of college students ask me the other day, uh, Mr. Thompson, we were talking about voting. Uh, Do our voices really matter? No. Clear, no. Your voice don't matter? No. I'm not going to even lie to you. No. Your voice don't matter. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, if you don't use it, it don't matter. If you don't use your voice, it don't matter. Well, well, well. After the fact, you know, you know, if you if you use your voice a few years ago, we wouldn't have Donald Trump. Yeah, facts. You know what I mean? Well, let, let, let's 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 go dive a little bit deeper into that piece right there, right? This 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 voting and this you know taxpayer paying mm-hmm. money, you know paying mm-hmm. taxes, right? Which everyone has to do. My dad has a saying that he used to always say to me. He used to say, um, "I ain't got to do none but 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 stay black and pay tax." Well, three things: I ain't got to do nothing but stay black, pay taxes, and die. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing you really got to do in in this world, mm-hmm. right? You, you got to stay a black man. You gonna die. That's inevitable for everybody. I don't care who you are. You gonna die. And you got to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about policy again, because that's my thing as well. Uh, so I'm a graduate student studying uh, MPA, Master's in Public Administration. I have aspirations to go off and, and, and uh, actually pursue a PhD. So I'm, I'm, I love policy. I love this type of talk, mm-hmm. right? Let's talk about policy. So if you're play, like we talked about probation earlier, you're placed on probation for a nonviolent crime, something you did at an age of 18, 19 years old, right? Mm-hmm. And you're placed on a five-year probation. So that's a complete election cycle and some that you have to sit out on. At least two election cycles for Minnesota House, uh, one for, for Senate and one for the na- on a national level, right? Mm-hmm. So these are key elections that you're missing out on because you're on probation for a nonviolent crime. But yet, you don't ever miss uh, a tax payment. You can't miss a tax payment. You still pay taxes in this state. You are still, you're, you're still able to get a job sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. depending on the degree of your felony and what job you work in. Uh, you can get a job. They can take out the taxes for that. You can mm-hmm. go to the store. You can pay sales tax. Um, if you are a homeowner, you can still pay a property tax, but you can't vote. Mm-hmm. All because you have a nonviolent felony on your record, right? We gave you an example of you can be selling $50 worth of marijuana, and that could be enough to get a fifth degree in some counties. You mentioned that you know Ramsey mm-hmm. County Attorney John Choi, a great guy as well. I, I mm-hmm. definitely like him as well. Uh, he's not going to, you know prosecute some of those types of cases. But we have a lot of places right now in Minnesota that absolutely will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have so many black brothers and sisters and people of color in general who have been disenfranchised, disadvantaged by those policies, and now they can't even vote, but yet they still are able to pay tax. They still have to pay taxes. They're required to do that. Explain that to me. Why why can't, is that something that you would advocate for if you're elected to a house seat? (laughs) Uh, 
let's go back. We talk about our dad. My dad was a unique character too, man. <laughs> and my dad said to me, some of the biggest gangsters in the earth are in, <laughs> in the White House and at your state capitol. Some of the biggest gangsters. Al Capone don't have nothing on some of these gangsters that are in these doggone legislative seats, man. Uh, 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 racism didn't go away, man. It just got a little bit more sophisticated. You know that, like more slick, more slick, more, mm-hmm. more. You know, a lot of people change. Listen, I'm, I don't, I don't have to blink an eye when I say that they traded in their white hoods for blue suits, man. <laughs> they traded in them white suits for blue suits. Some, in some instances, there's a state of Minnesota pendant right here on the side of it. You know, so uh, what you're talking about, what you're describing, is meant to keep the black man down. Do you know that, right? Like, keep it. I don't want him voting. He may vote somebody in that may may help him. You know, so anything I can do to, to 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 keep black people down and oppressed, this is not this is not rhetoric, bro. Like me and you've been black all our life, right? So when when was when was the first time you heard Blue Lives Matter? When was the first time you heard about a blue life? Up until like last year. There's no such thing, man. Look, we can't unzip this costume, man. You can unzip that blue uniform, man. Look, we can't unzip this blackness. Yeah. We can't. You know, you know, my mom used to burn the toast and she scraped the toast and the, you know, and the brownness off. We couldn't throw bread away. Like if the toast was a little burnt, you take a butter knife and scrape that stuff off of there and put some butter on it and eat that bread. We can't scrape this toast off our skin, man. That's what I'm saying. So when you talk about policy, like. Anytime you talk about uh, changing policy that has kept us in the state that we're in, it's going to be met with resistance by people. And you can tell who they are because they're going to fight so hard. Those are the people who we need to remove out of these seats. Then we can get to pushing policy that makes sense. But the people who resist the change, look at it, you know, Right now, everybody's sympathetic to black lives. Everybody's black lives matter sign in their yard and everybody, but black for lives matter. For now, it's matter. a season for it. For right. now, yeah. Right. Black lives been matter for, 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 for black men. Right? Like, like how, can I, how can I make this make sense, man? Black men are, like, we're like endangered species almost here. And, 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 and I hate to sound like chauvinistic, mm-hmm. But they give it to anybody but us. Anybody but us. They try to pit Somali brothers against black men. Like, they got the same color skin. Like, come on, man. Legislation has to make sense, and it has to work for black men in order for our communities to be the communities. that. We, who's doing all the shooting here in this doggone communities? Young men who walk around here without fathers, because their father's incarcerated. Their father's going through some of the same things that you're talking about, right? I feel like if, if I've served 20 years in prison, I've said I'm sorry 20 years in a row. When I come home, I should come home to something more than just uh, find you a job before I send you back to jail, yo. And by the way, you got child support that's been waiting on you all these years. And oh yeah, you got tax debt. Like, like, I should come home to something other than a probation officer and, and, and a P test. Not to mention that they're capitalizing off of your labor while they're incarcerating you. So not only are you getting screwed because you're still paying taxes and you're still liable for whatever debt you had prior to your incarceration. So when you get out, you still are obligated to pay whatever that is. Like you just mentioned, the child support payments. That don't stop because you locked up. It keeps battling. Whatever debt that you acquired thus far, it's going to stay there. After you're done serving your time, giving back to society in that way, giving your time, you're also getting your labor capitalized on while you're incarcerated. 
So they paying you 25, 30 cents or whatever to make whatever product that they pushing through the prison out of their, 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 their job opportunities that they have there. They reselling those products for a thousand percent, 10,000 percent on what it costs them to make. They paying you 50 cents an hour to make a dresser. You make one dresser in an hour. They can charge one hundred and fifty dollars for that dresser. All profit for them. I always like it's interesting when I hear people saying, "John, you always playing a race card." I said, "Well, stop dealing these cards out for me to play, man." Like I, I, I would give you a case in point. There was a, this, this uh, uh, Dakota County uh, sheriff and the Dakota County attorney Backstrom were in a press conference, and I just so happened to be walking past this press conference, and I hear this man say, uh, "In Dakota County, we don't have." many uh, small amount of marijuana uh, cases that we, we try in this courtroom. You know, they may, they may be charged with a small amount of marijuana, but we don't try those cases. I mean, not that many. I had to shut that dog over here. And like, I, I, this is virus. You can Google this, man. It's viral. I shut it down because you're lying. No, as a matter of fact, you're not really lying because you'll pull a brother over getting on, on the highway on Yankee Doodle in Egan. That's Dakota County, by mm-hmm. the way. You yep. pull a brother over... And and, and and you'll say, okay, you got your driver's license, okay, okay. Oh, I got my license, okay. I give you my license. I smell marijuana in the car, right? Anything you want to tell me about? Anything you want to tell me about <laughs> now? Okay, come on out of this car. Let me search the car. Now, now they found this little bitty roach in your car, right? Or you don't find no marijuana. You may be, they, people may be in the smoke at home and it's in their clothes. But now all of a sudden, you don't have. Driver's license. You don't have insurance. Now my car's being towed. Now I got all these tickets. As a matter of fact, I'm going to throw this small amount of marijuana out because you got no driving, driving after revocation, driving with no insurance, driving, driving while black. You got all these charges, right? <laughs> and we're going to impound your car. And we're going to pay $3.50 to get it out. And you can't go to work tomorrow. $9 fee every you time, you know, every day is there. <laughs> so you don't charge these, these small amount of marijuana, but, but that marijuana got you in that car. And now all of a sudden you have all these charges this young man has and he can't go to work. Right? So 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 I want I want to I want to be careful like allowing people to have uh spaces where they spew that's rhetoric right there where they spew this rhetoric because nobody's dealing with this but us. Mm-hmm. And if we don't say anything about it then it's, it's like oh they're just like uh being hard on policing. Like as a black man experiencing in Minneapolis, when Minneapolis was Murderapolis, experiencing uh, uh, police officers pull us over. This is this is when it was stop and frisk, right? And, and, and get out of the car. And all of you, it's because four of us in the car. All of you put your hands on the car. And, and, and matter of fact, they pull our pants down, bro, and put gloves on and stick their hand in our butt. And, and, and we're up to anal cavity searches, right? And, and, and I complain. I complain about it. And, and, and the officer says to me, uh, nigga, I can change the way you live your life for the next ten years. Like as a, as a, as a kid, I'm, I'm thinking like, I don't know what he's saying, but as an adult now, I honestly know exactly what. How he do was you saying. deal with that type of trauma? I uh, turn my passion into action, man, and I, I actually put my name on the ballot. That's how I. That's how I deal with it. You know, it's time to cut us in or cut it out. It's time for me to stop. Like I've complained. I've had the bullhorn, bro. I've marched down the street. I've shown up. I've shut down hearings. I've com- completely just told mayors that you, we no longer want you. So don't even come to the podium. We've showed up twenty five hundred deep. Like I've done all of this right here. The next obvious step, because they're not hearing us, is to remove them. 
That's how I deal with it. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a train ready to go straight ahead, man. And I'm, I'm when I talk about tunnel vision, like I don't see nothing but that state capital as my target, right? And 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 the legislation pieces, like it'll come because it'll come organically from my community. What needs to be passed in my community? My my my, my people know what we need. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to. You know, my I have ideas in my head about a legislation that I want to push. But my community know exactly what we need because we've been dealing with without for too long, right? So if, for somebody like me to be in a position to 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 help create the change we want to see, you know, we get brothers, we get brothers that look just like me that go into these positions and forget they're black. Mm. And, you know, I mean that, you know, we get brothers just like me who get into these positions and forget that like, there was a mission that got you here, man, and, and, and you forgetting the mission. Like I'm part of the the demographic of people who like are fed up. Yo, and, and I don't want to yell about it no more, man. They heard me. They know what they're doing to us. We want them to stop it, and I had to make them stop it. And so when you ask me you know, how I deal with the trauma, uh, I had a calling over my life, bro. Like, this is what I was called to do. I was making like $87,000 a year as a machinist. This ain't, I'm not doing this for the money. Like, you don't get that paid that much as a, as a state legislator yeah. anyway. No, <laughs> People I, think you in it for the money at the state level. It ain't really all that. I mean, it's some because it's part time. But I got an eleven year old <laughs> kid, bro. Like I got an eleven year old son. My daddy never showed me nothing about the state capital or legislation or, or how to how to balance my checkbook. Yo, my daddy never had to talk with me. You know about when you see the police. You know where the talk came from, mm -hmm. by the way. So be be cognizant. Like this should be a red flag for you. If you ever hear a black man say, uh, uh, I had to talk, or my, my dad or my parent had to talk with me, they lying. Right. You know, you, no you know where I had to talk at? I had to talk in the car. I'm in the car with my buddies, and they're like, man, they go to the police, man. Keep your hair straight. Man, what would you turn back for? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that was the talk. Put your hand on the steering wheel. That was the talk. You know, when you're in the car with your buddy, I, I, and my parents they never said when you, when you see the police put both hands on the steering no. wheel, and none of that, none of that ever happened. That happened right. So when, when I said the streets know mm. and, 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 and and my community know what we need, like I'm clear with that message. Yeah, because I'm a part of it. Yo, I've had just, just think about it, like DFL endorsed. Uh, the governor endorsed me. Keith Ellison endorsed me. Uh, AFL CIO asked me. Sierra Club. Uh, St. Paul Federation of Educators, Moms Demanding, all these endorsements. And here I am, just a brother from, do you know what I mean? It's obvious that people are seeing exactly what I'm saying, that I have a calling over my life, and I, I have tunnel vision. I don't, I don't plan on bringing my ideas to the state capitol either. Like I'm, My ideas will, will, will be there. There's a whole community that has ideas that need to be implemented that aren't being heard. So... What do you say to the critics who may criticize your campaign as being this pro-black agenda? I don't mm -hmm. know if you got that question before, um, but I, I feel like as a as a black man, when we run for office mm -hmm. and we want to create this change for our people, mm -hmm. there's always criticism saying that our message is too black. Like they told you earlier, tone it down a bit. What mm -hmm. they really was, what they really was saying was, stop being so black. Stop trying to fight for, for, for black people too much. Mm -hmm. So they let us go to a certain limit, but it's always, ah, oh, you ain't going to overstep. Mm -hmm. Now you're talking about restoring the vote for felons who have nonviolent, you know, record or nonviolent charges, but they still pay taxes. So that's taxation without representation. Literally, mm -hmm. the country was founded on that same principle. Mm -hmm. You start talking about that. Now we got to shut you down. Mm -hmm. Right now we got that pushback. So what do you say to the critics who make, you know, say that your campaign is too black or pro-black? 
<laughs> you know when people some 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 of the best advice my mother gave me, man. Uh, uh, my mother said to me, "You know, people's opinion of you is their business, so mind yours. <laughs> people's opinion That's of you right. is their business. Mind your business. That's their business. But you can't worry about what people say, man, because you know those people who are saying that uh, uh, I'm pro-black, they need to be pro-black also. Mm-hmm. Yo, I could, I come up, in, I come up in, in, I was born in the '70s, bro. And here's a here's a fact in in the Webster's Dictionary." When I was coming up, that N word was in the dictionary. Like it was in the dictionary. It was a definition of it, and then the, the, the meaning was stupid, ignorant person. Da, 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 da. Like it was it was a whole lot of derogatory. But the N word was in the Webster's dictionary, right? I say that to say that if that if, if the definition that I read when I was in school is true, then we have white people who are the N word. We have Hispanic people who you who you know, the, the, you know stupid ignorant people. These mm-hmm. this is what the N word meant, yeah. right? So, uh, like I, I don't I don't get caught up in in what people think about you know what I'm doing as as pro black. Who are you to judge me? You know, have you ever been black? Is one of the questions I would ask a white person who said I'm pro pro black. You know, try to try to try to. Fit your your feet in these eleven and a halves, you know, like and just I bet you won't even last an hour. You know, I get death threats. I don't know if you know that. Like I get death threats and you know hate mail, and I'm used to it. This 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 comes with the territory, bro. Like I don't think I don't think uh, Martin Luther King ever had a peaceful day, <laughs> or Malcolm X ever had a peaceful day. Uh, some of us have a calling over our lives, man. And, and to be all and to be honest with you, uh, some of us go a lifetime without knowing what that calling is. You're looking at somebody who who actually knows, like what his calling in life is, bro. Like I know this is what I was called to do. I'm not just like, you know, you, know, you get these people like they'll show up to your show. What are you gonna do for the community? Well, I'm gonna fix the achievement gap, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna fix homelessness, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna stop playing with these people. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna stop like sugarcoating racism and acting like this this is sweet and we we love it. You know, there's some comfortable slaves here in this state, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, I'm tired of being comfortable receiving nothing, man. Like every year, there's a huge piece of pie that comes here, and we don't even get a slice. Nothing. Like, come on, man. Like, keep the pie. Keep the pie. Just let us be black, then. You know, Give it, us some ingredients to make our own pie. <laughs> you know don't I mean? want none of y'all pie. Just let us make our own. But these, 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 these are things that need to happen. So, so, you know, for people to call me pro-black. You won't hear me calling somebody pro Mexican or, or, or pro Somali or pro white or pro like how dare you? You know what I mean? Like what am I? Am I anything other than a black man? But, but so remember, what you expect? Remember what I said earlier though. Like I, 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 I because I choose my words carefully. I said that this campaign because you got to think about it. We're not just when you get elected, you're not just a representative. Uh, represent the east side. You represent the entire state on some of these committees, yeah. right? And so, just keep in mind what I said earlier about my people, because there was a 47-year-old Hmong St. Paul Public School teacher's assistant bringing home $752 every two weeks, and her rent is $1,400 a month. While we have uh, politicians talking about we're putting affordable housing in your community, Affordable to who? Do you know what I mean? Like, That's always my question. Affordable, affordable to, to who? 
Who could, you know what That's I mean? like, relative. And then, and, 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 and knock, I, I had to work two jobs to pay rent. How am I going to help my kid with his homework? Let's talk about the achievement gap now. Remember I told you they used to beat us for, for, for learning. You know, now they just call it an achievement gap. This happens in the black community all the time. This happens to us all the time with mom got to work two jobs. Dad ain't home. Dad in jail. You know, incarcerating us at a high rate. You know, so who's home to help him with his homework, right? Now you're complaining about this black kid coming to school being black. He's doing stuff that he does at home. He's acting out. Like we, talk, we talked about trauma earlier. How traumatic is that? My mom can't even buy me a pair of shoes. She can't help me with my homework. She working two jobs just to, 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 to have this funky little apartment that we living in. You know what I mean? Like, give us an opportunity. Uh, cut us in or cut it out. And and just, how do we make, and sorry to cut you off, but I got to make this point. How do we make white men... Who, who are in the GOP specifically, because that's where we're getting a lot of resentment from, mm-hmm. right? And and I'm I'm independent, by the way. I don't mm-hmm. know uh, if you know that or not, mm-hmm. but I'm not Democrat or Republican. Mm-hmm. I'm, we'll I'm, talk uh, about that off yeah, the air. I'm, I'm, <laughs> indep- I'm independent, so we'll talk about that off the air or whatever, but that's how I show up, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I have Republican friends. I have Democrat friends. I agree with some of the public Republican ideology. I agree with some of the Democrat ideology, hence why I'm in the middle. Mm-hmm. But how do we get white GOP from greater Minnesota to understand that reality for black folks if they have never experienced it before. How do we get them to understand that? You put me in legislation. <laughs> and I'll tell you why I said that, not to, not to sound cocky. Um, for years I've watched, first of all, there's not a lot of color in that crayon box. I say that. But then the color we have in that crayon box doesn't put a lot of meat on their plate. Bring them to, to uh, Selby. Bring them to uh, the east side of St. Paul over there off of Maryland and uh, Arundo. Bring them over here to Sam's Dairy over here in St. Paul and let them like, see some of the conditions and, 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 and do some ride-alongs with some of these officers here and, 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 like, and then tell them, we can't go in there. Yo, I just had a brother, I just had a brother, and I, I'll give you an example and then I'll move. I had a brother in a Zoom meeting with all of these important legislators, and he's saying, and I'm not going to say his name because he's well-known here, but he's saying, what we're trying to do here in St. Paul is reimagine policing. Let me stop you. Let me stop you right now because the words that you use right, are important also. And if I'm not in this meeting and saying what I'm about to say right now, They'll have you reimagine it until you're blue in the face. We don't want to reimagine police. We want it to be reality. And it can be reality because we're talking, about, we're talking to people who can make it reality, right? And I'm talking to a black man. If you're not talking to these people like this, this is why we're getting what we're getting out of these, these people. Like, we have to make it reality. We're not demanding anything that we don't deserve. Like, doggone it, you're not going to take my money out of my paycheck and tell me what I'm paying for. I shouldn't get a refund on it because when we're getting out of policing right now, I want a refund on my tax dollar. Mm. Like, and I say, that's in the, I say that in this meeting, and they're like, oh, my God, John, I can't believe But I'm saying to the people in the meeting, I can't believe you're not saying this. Right. You know, <laughs> Come and, on now. And if you don't have somebody like me <laughs> right. in these seats. Nobody else going to say it. Nobody else going to say it, John. 
Yeah. You have to say it. Yeah. So I completely agree with you that you might be the chosen one. Yeah. If honestly, if you can stay strong to yeah. your beliefs and yeah. what you believe in and, and, and your commitment to actually serving the people mm. and to delivering your message despite what pushback you get, then mm. that might be our way in the door. Because mm. right now the door's still shut on us. Mm. And, and I get I'm supposed to be optimistic. You know, we see the county working hard to try to involve folks in the community and uh, give them opportunities for employment and to actually, you know, secure contracts to do work on their behalf. I get that, and I'm supposed to be optimistic about that, mm. but I still don't see that door being opened. It's like mm. they're throwing us a little bits and pieces from behind the door. They like crack the door and be like, "Y'all see lot there? All right, here go this, here go that," and then slam the door back again. Mm. And then we eat whatever they throw out there, and then we hungry again. They open up the door, throw something else out there, and then we fight over it, get a little bit of it, and then we we go about our. You see, you see what mm. I'm saying? They mm-hmm. never fully let us in mm-hmm. to the room. Mm-hmm. There's 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 two black men right now uh, uh, that's elected to the state. Uh, legislature in the in the in the, in the Senate side, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Joe Champion and uh, and then we got Jeff Jeff Hayden. Shout out, bro, definitely shout out to Jeff Hayden. Um, you know, shout out to Bobby Joe, great man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm saying right now they're both in some in, in some primaries, right? Mm-hmm. And they're both going against some candidates who aren't ADOS, mm-hmm. and that's and that's why I come in there. Right? This is the ADOS mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Things I talk about is about ADOS. My businesses support ADOS. And pretty much everything I do in my life is about American descendants of slave. That's how I choose to identify, and and, and specifically Ados men. And there, there's, and it's crazy to me that there seems to be a lot of efforts being put into place to remove those two from those seats that they're in right now. And I'm thinking, why now? Why yeah. now when we got Brother Hayden up there speaking on behalf of police accountability? Um, Actually, actually speaking on the floor, powerful words on the floor to unite the state to really do something about this over-policing and, 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 and negative police culture that we have in the state of Minnesota, right? Using his, his position of power to do that for his people, which is great legislation that he's advocating on behalf of. Why is there such a concentrated effort to remove him out of that seat, and that's that that's that that's that piece right where I say I need to be optimistic, but I'm seeing this real time. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing this real time. And it's like why won't we get powerful black men in those positions? We we immediately try to try to remove them when they start to use their voice. But as long as they was quiet, as long as they were just playing the game that the DFL won, I just gotta drop. That's just an elephant in the room. I just mm-hmm. gotta drop it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm very critical of the DFL, and it might come to shoot me in my foot when I do decide to run for office if I ever do or whatever, because you know I, I do somewhat have political aspirations, and I'm fine if I get pushed back because of my statements on 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 live or whatever on my podcast is my show. I say what I want to say. Right. Jeff Hayden did not receive the DFL endorsement. A young cat that's from out out on the East Coast, Omar mm-hmm. Fatia, did receive the endorsement. Mm-hmm. Jeff is, is, is in a position of leadership, right, mm-hmm. in the DFL, right now in the, in the legislature. Why is it to me so much concentrated effort to get him out of that position now that he's talking on behalf of police accountability and really cracking down on police brutality in South Minneapolis, because that's where Brother George Floyd died, and also across the state? I have to choose my words carefully, man. So I'm going to say... Um, and I'll put you in a tough position. I get Je- that. Jeff, Jeff Hayden is, is, is somebody who I respect, and, and, and Bobby Joe are somebody I respect. And also, people who are, they're two brothers who I get a lot of good advice from. 
Um, that's who we have in Senate um, to represent, you know, the, the constituents of that area. Sometimes as um, as a black person, man, we're harder on our own people than we are on the people who are oppressing us. That's it right there. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. This 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 is the truth, man. And I, I honestly, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm thank you for allowing me to like be my authentic self, man. I don't have to be like, um, this this didn't come rehearsed. The truth don't need no help. And That's so, why I don't, so, I, don't so, I don't do scripts. So for <laughs> for for, uh, for Jeff Hayden and, and, and shout out to Jeff, um, I'm quite sure he'll be victorious. Oh yeah, uh, I because the him. truth don't need help. Yo, and I respect I respect brother Omar. Like yeah, I, he's I, out there in the I streets. respect brother Omar for T, man. Like I was invited to his wedding. Uh, but the truth don't need help. Brother Omar could win this election though, you know, and I, I and he'll be he'll go through the same thing that brother Jeff Hayden went through. Um it seems like once they're through with you, they just throw you out. Do you know what I mean? Like and, and, and when you when you say they just throw you out, I, I I'm off alive right now, so this mm. is all just bare. We can edit this out as well mm. if you don't want it. And I don't mm. know if your life ended. Like no, I said. I'm talking about the people who actually took the time to to say they want you in here at this. To, you know, money run campaigns, man. Would you um, say the DFL has a lot of a lot of influence over that? I know you yeah. got the endorsement. That's why. Yeah, the DFL does have a lot of the DFL does have a lot of influence over that, man. And 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 here here here. Let me just share this with you, man, and it, it, it don't matter because I, I've never been somebody to to be silent. Um, in my Senate district, I haven't received any help, you know, whatsoever. And so what I did was they had this, this election for chair, vice chair in the Senate district. So I put my name on the ballot, right? And then they call me. Uh, keep in mind, I won, the, I won the primary, and they never called me. But now, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, my God, John, why would you put your name on the ballot? Do you anticipate not winning? No, I just want you to know that I'm coming for those seats, too. Like, to be honest with you, because you're not going to, like, endorse a candidate like myself and don't do anything for him, right? And and I have a problem with the DFL doing things like that like that really are not helpful for my community either. You know, I had this conversation with Ken Martin also. Like I'm serious about you know changing other like, this, this is this is you ought to be 200 John Thompsons in this state. Okay now, do you know that man? Like yeah, I'm yeah. to be honest with you, man, it ought to be 200 John Thompsons in this state. Every black man on this earth and every black person on this earth should be cognizant of the things that are happening around them and, and, and understanding that the DFL is also it's no joke. This is no no secret. It's part of the problem. The DFL is part of the problem. The Republicans are part of the problem also. Uh, I have a lot of Repo Republican friends. I have a lot of Democratic friends. I'm a black man. Like, you understand, you gotta yep. understand that, man. Like, yep. I'm a black man yep. before I'm anything else. Yep. When I wake up in the morning, I do it. I, I, when I wake That's up in right. the morning, I do the same thing as everybody else in this state. I plant my feet right here on this stolen land. Mm -hmm. This is the first thing I do in, this, in the morning, right? <laughs> but I'm black. This is the difference between me and everybody. I'm black, right? And so uh, what I'm doing right now is bigger than the DFL party. It's bigger than the Republican party. It's, it's like This right here is for a, a lot of people are depending on, like you can't, I can't limit myself and say, oh, the DFL is gonna, not going to allow, the DFL can't say I can't do nothing. Like there's nothing that the DFL can stop me or, or tell me that I can't do because I've, I've, I've received this endorsement. 
You understand me? And so when I, when I talk about Brother Bobby Joe and, and I say, I'm not going to allow them to have that leverage over me where they can throw me away. We're, we're, we're not, we're not going to have this relationship right now in the beginning. Yo, yo, uh, uh, Chairman Fred Hampton, Chairman Fred Hampton uh, Jr. from the Black Panther Party, uh, from the Black Panther Cubs in Chicago, man, said, yo, yo, you, you get this, you get this, this, you meet this female and, and she says a one night stand, right? Why are you showing her your mama your mama ring? You know, she she clearly told you what it was, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why are you right? And so like the relationship that I have with the DFL is is, is just that. Like I'm gonna be clear in the beginning about our relationship, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I need the DFL and I wanna be, you know, I don't wanna we be. We got some brothers trying to marry, uh, get into a relationship with the DFL, trying to marry him. <laughs> you know end up next to him. <laughs> you know, so so but 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 I I I need this, this is a machine. This is a machine. The DFL is a machine. Especially in the Twin Cities. We can make the DFL work for the black community. I can tell you that. But we don't have so to you believe, you So you believe creating that change within or doing it independently? What's your approach? I, I believe that we could do it from within because we have a lot of powerful black DFLers. Yo. Uh, and when I say that, uh, some of them get into these positions and forget that they're black. We got to remind them. You know what I'm saying? We got to remind them of the agenda. Some of them get comfortable. You got to have some people when they're making these black people uncomfortable also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of these black... I, I, All skin folk ain't kin folk. I, I, have to, I have to put that out there. But think about this, man. If you ever run... Like, I've never run for... I've never ran for an elected official seat in my life, right? But there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of organizations... It takes a lot of work. You have to weave through a lot of these organizations, that, like these endorsements. Like a lot of times that you're seeing these people and it looks like when you, you're in these screenings, it looks like you're, you're screening with the Target Corp, right? There's no... So the people who determine if you're going to get in the office, you know what I mean, don't necessarily look like you. Uh, running, a, running a race, you got to get out here and tap into our people, man, and get them out there. Or we're going to receive some of the same things that we're receiving. I am... Uh, I'm not hopeful. I'm I'm for sure that if we're running our Senate districts, you know what I mean? And when I talk about us, I'm talking about us. If we're running our Senate districts, that's that's another thing, right? Like these people have infiltrated these Senate districts. This is three people in my Senate district, right? And they're all white. You know, and if we're... Remember I told you earlier that the Klan changed their uniforms, man, and they put on blue suits, right? We're going to change our uniforms too, man, <laughs> like, and like get into these spaces where we, we, it's nothing for you to put your name on that ballot and, and say, I want to run this Senate district for the DFL in my district. And now all of a sudden, all the votes got to come through, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know. mm-hmm. So it just, it just makes sense to like get active. I think Sister Leslie Redman of NAACP Minneapolis said, don't complain, activate. And, and that's one of, the, one of the coldest terms I ever mm-hmm. heard, man. Like, don't complain, activate. I always say that to the sister too, and I see it like sister. I'm activated. This is, I'm not complaining no more because I can show up, bro. Like I can show up with a bullhorn, and, and I can put the, I can organize 2,500 people tomorrow, you know. And we mm-hmm. can show up. We can show up, bro. I can't. I, it's, it's, it's counterproductive. Like I, I, my eyes on the prize, man. Like I, it's so. I, it's unfortunate for me, like when I when I look at Jeff Hayden's race, man, because I know a lot. I watch how these people vote. You know, I watch how they vote and some of the things that they vote for, man. And, and, and Jeff Hayden's had a, a definitely good record of, of voting for things that make sense for our community, man. And then here we are now. We got people that look like us supporting. I don't know what he did, but 
all it takes is one time to make somebody mad, and then they, you know, it's maybe, maybe it's not what he did, but it's what he's doing. Yeah, that that's the point I was trying to make. Is it's cool, like yeah, Jeff Hayden been doing work in the community. He been putting the time in to to make sure that you know money is is appropriated over to South Minneapolis for project B, you know projects through this uh, bonding bill process. Right, he's been doing that work. But when we start to see him really advocating and pushing for, he, last year he had a bill that he authored, co-authored, uh, a legal marijuana bill, mm-hmm. right, that he was trying to push to, which is a great bill, by the way. Uh, it didn't make it out of committee. Um, I don't know if you knew that or mm-hmm. not, but we need to get legalized marijuana here. That that ha- needs to happen right now, mm-hmm. especially if we're projecting to have a $4.5 billion deficit over the course of two to three years. How is the state planning on making up that revenue? By taxing us. Mm-hmm. Now we talk about how to make this relevant for GOP. That's why I keep asking you. How do we get other folks to care about these issues that we we, we know are issues? Mm-hmm. We know we have these disparities. How do we get other people who do have decision-making power to care about it? Well, we put it in terms like this. If we don't legalize marijuana and figure out creative ways to generate more revenue, then guess what? There's going to be no more farmer far, farmer uh, incentive packages or, or, or tax tax cuts. <laughs> you got to bring them to. You got to bring them to. to the that's team. how you hit them, mm-hmm. right? You hit you hit their their base who supports them. Mm-hmm. Greater Minnesota farm industry, agriculture industry. That's what we built off. That's what's mm-hmm. running our country. We got we got the Iron Rangers up north, and then we got farming all around. That's the culture that we have, and you know that. Yeah. So you got to know your demographic, right? If we don't get marijuana legalization through, if we don't figure out creative ways to generate more revenue besides taxing folks, then there's going to be no more uh, uh, any types of uh, tax benefits, tax breaks, any other types of resources going to these industries Mm -hmm. if we don't do it. And in fact, it's probably going to be a a lot of cuts. Why do you think they they don't want to leave? Why do you think there's, there's, there's a push to not legalize marijuana? I hate to keep coming back to this this racism thing, but I kind of have to, this white supremacy thing. Mm-hmm. If we legalize marijuana here, there's a few different things that are going to happen as a result of it. We no longer can prosecute in the state. Uh, federal Feds can come in and do whatever they want to do because it still will be federally legal according to the, the Controlled Substances Act of 1970, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but state statewide, if, if the legislature right now passed a bill legalizing marijuana, there's a few things depending on the language of the bill. They will first have to form of some type of commission, right, to handle the regulation. It'll be a regulatory board over this new industry, and they will be appointed by the governor. I think this is the current language that's in that bill now. It will, they will be uh, these these commissioners will be appointed by the governor, or whatever. They will make all the, the the legislation and policies related to the sale of marijuana, right, mm-hmm. and, and the use of it. So a few things would happen. You would no longer then will be able to um, use marijuana as a um, as a way to get access to people's cars and persons, right? Uh, suspicion, right? You can't claim that anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's a legal substance now. Just like uh, now, if they create laws saying that you can't drive it while high or whatever, that's a different thing. But even if it's smell, the smell on your clothes, you could just say, "Oh, I smoked earlier at my house. I'm not high right now," and that will be enough, right? Mm-hmm. The, the mere smell of it can no longer be probable cause to search your persons and to search your property. Mm-hmm. So then we'll see tickets decrease. We'll see a, a lot of people not have, or, or we see mass incarceration from that uh, perspective decrease mm-hmm. because now that's no longer something that's illegal. It's mm-hmm. legal now. Mm-hmm. And then what we'd also see is that there will probably potentially be some language in the bill to have some type of, um, what I'm going to call it, I'm just going to call it uh, reparations, mm-hmm. right, peace, 
where a certain amount of licenses and certain amount of certifications will be reserved for people of color mm -hmm. and these communities that have been severely impacted by criminalization of marijuana, right? Mm -hmm. So that would mean we're producing jobs, and not only jobs, but careers, mm -hmm. businesses for people who were formerly impacted by marijuana. Mm -hmm. That's that's gonna be a no no. Mm. <laughs> that that's gonna be a no. So now you're talking about some. Not only are we no longer charging folks for marijuana related crimes, but we're giving them pathways to create businesses and salaries and good paying jobs off of marijuana. How dare you? <laughs> how how dare you do such a thing? How dare you? And that's why there's so much pushback for so long. We we've had this mentality where a person is bad because they smoke marijuana. Mm -hmm. Especially in the state of Minnesota. I don't think that's true. I don't think it's because you smoke weed, you're a bad dad. Or because you smoke weed, you're a bad professor. Or because you smoke weed, you're a bad lawyer. Now, is, it, is, is there a time and a place for using substances? Of course. It's the same thing as alcohol. If a person drinks, and I think they're, they're, if you look at the statistics, I mean, lawyers, heavy drinkers, most of them, a lot of them are, mm -hmm. the statistics why. And also the, the profession with the, the largest amounts of suicides, right, uh, by, by profession. Um, but if we look at that, if a person has a drinking problem, they could still be a great attorney as long as they don't show up drunk look to do Freeman. their job. Look at Mike Freeman. <laughs> yeah, but you, you see the point I'm making? Yeah. But we don't have that same mentality when it comes to alcohol because, one, it's legal, mm -hmm. and it's also within their culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that another thing is, uh, <laughs> and it's deeper can, than that because I, I, I've, I've listened to uh, when they talked about the bill at one point. I listened to uh, Senator Gazelka say, "Well, how high is too high? How do we regulate? How high is too high? How do we tell who is driving under the influence?" And I said, "So you're trying to figure out how to criminalize it." <laughs> As opposed to legal, like you still trying to figure out how to criminalize. I gotta go. My wife probably gonna. Yeah, kill me, yeah, man. we gotta get you out of here, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have you come back on again. Yeah, like I, like I said, it was just a conversation. I don't do no scripts, right? Yeah. I, if, I might have something that we, a few topics outlined, yeah. but we don't go into depth about nothing because we just gonna produce authentic conversation, and that's what I love to do. That's how I really get to know who you are, and then what you, what you stand for. Yeah.